Well, our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sherry, for reading that passage for us this morning. When I think of that passage of scripture, I, just, I think it falls into the category for me of a classic, right? The lowering the guy through the roof. And I don't know, I've been hearing that story since I was, since I was a little kid. I love it. All right, two things. What I want to do this morning uh, with this, this time of, of unpacking this passage is I really want to do it in two parts. The first part is we're going to take some time to uh, walk through some of the principles uh, for reaching out to people in need of the touch of Jesus. One of the things, uh, one of the six values that's out there on the wall in our, in our lobby uh, is that we would be a church of people, we'd be a congregation of people who befriend and bring in people who don't have a church home. And as we're looking at a, at a new year and where the Lord might be taking us, one of the fun things about being a pastor is that there are people in this room who a year ago I didn't know, and now you're dear to me. And it's part of the beauty of the body of Christ, the way that all that works. Um, but what I want to do is I want to use this passage as a way to talk about what it looks like for us as a church collectively to be about that. Uh, to be about reaching out to people who need the touch of Christ. And then the second thing that I want to do is I want to take some time to cast a vision for where we're going in 2023, and uh, we have a, a pretty exciting staff update and announcement that I'm going to get to tell you about here in just a moment. So a new year is upon us. I tend to use this time, I think, of life in a semester-semester-summer rhythm. Uh, I would imagine that many of you do too, that really New Year is, is, is September. Uh, that's kind of when the year starts, and then we hit, we hit this Christmas break and, and the New Year, and it's sort of like the second half of the year, and then you get to the summer, 
uh, where all bets are off, right? But we're here, and, and so I, I use this as a time really to, to reflect on what the Lord is doing, what he's done, to look ahead. And uh, so today I want to use this time around God's word to talk about this church. I want to talk about this church that, that I love, this, this thing we get to be a part of. Since we started um, four and a half years ago, one of the words that I would use to describe Christ Pres Cool Springs is I would say that Christ Pres Cool Springs has been plucky. That's one of the words I would use, plucky. That, that we're a church that has um, had to figure things out as you go. And when you start a new church, a new congregation, you got all these people in a room who don't know each other. We're kind of getting to know each other as we go. And these friendships and bonds develop and we, and we, we, we think we know what we're going to do and we think we're going to try this and then something happens or we get into that and it adjusts a little bit and so we pivot this way. And we've just had this experience of going through, you know, we spent our first three years in a hotel ballroom, right? And half of that time, there was a global pandemic going on and we endured it. Um, one of the things that's been true about, about Cool Springs is when it comes to staff, we've always been pretty lean. We've had a pretty lean, high-functioning staff team, and that's been the way that I really like it, honestly. I like that we have, we have a small staff because what it means is, is we have to be pretty high-functioning people, but also it means that we have to be really committed to bringing people in to serve in the church, that, that we can't be a church that just hires uh, people to do the things that the church needs done. If, if I don't really want to be part of a church that, that just kind of hires everything out. That, that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is that we're all in this together. And so we're always, as a staff and as elders, we're always looking. We're always examining who we are, how we function, ways that we can improve. And we refine our roles. We, we look at our job descriptions every year. We get all those things out and we, and we, and we do all that uh, because we really want to define the roles that we play here and serve in things like children's ministry and worship and hospitality and, and all of the rest. Um, but, but here at Cool Springs, we, 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 you know, we have a children's ministry team. And you should be on that team if you're not, because we need everybody on that team. Um, if, if you're like, ah, I don't know, we also, you're in luck, we have a hospitality team. <laughs> and so if you're not on the children's ministry team, you definitely need to be on the hospitality team. We also have a worship team. Not all of you should be on that. <laughs> Some of you should go nowhere near that. But we don't ever want to build teams so that the work of the church is just done by a few people. We want to function in a way to where we are all, all in. Because here's the truth. If this is your church home, you're on the hospitality team. You're looking for people who are new, people you haven't met, you're introducing yourself to them, you are on it. If you're here and this is your church home, you're part of the children's ministry network and the reason is, is because every time we have a baptism, every time a child becomes a communing member and starts coming to the Lord's table, vows are taken and, and the congregation says, I will assist these parents in the Christian nurture of this child. And we, we promise that we're going to come alongside them. And so we do this together. 
You're the ones who lend your voices in worship when we sing. You are part of the worship team. We are all part of the worship team because it's not as though the worship team is here and the audience is there. It's that we are the worship team and the audience is the Lord, right? You're the ones. We're all in this together. You're the ones who are befriending and bringing in new people. Eugene Peterson, and this is a quote that Melanie Rayner shared with me earlier this week, something she read that Eugene Peterson said describing what a church is, and I love it, and I have it up here so you'll be able to see it on the slide, but he says this, he says, a Christian congregation is a company of praying men and women who gather, usually on Sundays, for worship, and who then go into the world as salt and light. God's Holy Spirit calls and forms this people. God means to do something with us, and he means to do it in community. We are in on what God is doing, and we are in on it together. I love that. I love that description of the church, because, because what it means is that we're all doing the work of the church. I, I, I titled this sermon, We Are the Champions, because it's memorable and I know now what everybody's thinking, Um, but also because it's the case that in the church, you are the champions. You're the champions for people. You're the ones who do the work of the church. And I pray all the time that this would be who we are, that we would be a church that would never become just a product to be consumed by people, but that instead we would be a true community. What does it look like? for us to be salt and light in the world? What does it look like for us to be a church that befriends and brings in people who don't know Jesus? I wanna talk about the story of the paralytic on the mat as a way of getting into that. What does outreach look like? What What does befriending people who need the touch of Christ look like? Because what this passage reminds us is that outreach begins with what any worthwhile Christian endeavor starts with, and that is a love for people, a love for people. And so I wanna unpack three principles from this passage quickly that show not only what we're supposed to be about, but also that show us what Jesus does when we reach out to others in his name. And so principle number one is an obvious one but it's this, we must befriend people who need the touch of Jesus. I could even make that shorter and just say we should have friends, which can sound like almost an unnecessary thing to say, but adults, friendship is tricky when you get older, isn't it? I mean, when you're in school, here they are, you, you sit with them in school. But when, as you get older, friendships, we need to have friends. We need to have people that, that, are, that, that are checking in on us and we're checking in on them, people who need the touch of Jesus. This paralytic in the passage, he had people. He had people in his life who obviously loved him. And the reason that we know they loved him is because they wanted to see him whole. And so they were champions for him, right? They brought him to Jesus, and this is my point, is that outreach really is the business of being someone else's champion before the Lord. We're called to love people in such a way that we're we're passionate to bring them into the presence of Christ. So that's the first principle. We must befriend people who need the touch of Jesus. 
Principle number two, now is as good a time as any to begin that. There's no such thing as an inopportune time to present a need to Jesus. There's just no such thing as an inopportune time. We look at the miracle that happened here. This miracle happened during a particularly busy and politically important day in Jesus' earthly ministry. I mean, Luke sets the stage. He gives us some details along the way. What does he say? He says Jesus was there and he was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were present. So important people, important people were listening to Jesus teach. And the third thing he tells us is that those present, many of those present had traveled from surrounding regions, even from Jerusalem. So Jesus is teaching and the religious leaders and the teachers of the law are there and they've come even from as far as Jerusalem and here Jesus is doing what he was passionate about. He was teaching people about the love of his father and they're listening to him are some pretty important guests. Influencers, right? Religious leaders from the entire region, even Jerusalem. I mean, because think about it. If these leaders could get on board with what Jesus was saying, I mean, just imagine. Imagine how the gospel would spread like like wildfire. This was a high-power meeting with the potentials for some amazing results. And then you've got these four guys with their paralytic friend and what they do is just bad form. Because this is an important meeting. And they're interrupting Jesus as he's teaching an influential audience. Surely, they could have waited until Jesus was done. Right? Because what they do would be kind of like somebody going up on stage during a Billy Graham crusade and asking Billy Graham in the middle of his sermon to pray the sinner's prayer with them then and there. There would be people around who would say, you can do that in a minute, but not right now. Not these guys. What they do, they barge in. They barge in, they tear a hole in someone else's roof. And then they ask Jesus for a miracle. And they ask him for the miracle right now. How does Jesus respond to that? He doesn't rebuke them for interrupting his very important meeting. And he doesn't either politely tell them to wait until he's done. In fact, he doesn't really regard this as an interruption at all. It's an opportunity for him to illustrate what it is that he's trying to teach. That he is the one who is sent to heal and to forgive a broken people. I mean, it took moxie for these friends to interrupt this meeting, something many of us would never dream of doing because we were raised better. But that's what they do. The bottom line is the reason we wouldn't is because we have reasons. We have reasons for being reluctant when it comes to getting involved and reaching out to somebody else. And a common one, at least, that we tell ourselves is we're waiting for the right time. Why not now? 
Like, why not? There's no such thing as an inopportune time to bring somebody to Christ. The third principle is that an obstacle is not the same thing as a failure. Sometimes thought and ingenuity are part of seeing a goal accomplished, right? Sometimes we just have to think it through because it's not a straight line. These men, these four friends who brought their friend to Jesus, they encountered obstacles. And these obstacles made it so that bringing their friend to Jesus was complicated. And they had to get creative about it. But it wasn't impossible. And so they did it. Why? Well, what did they know? They knew Jesus was in town. They knew that Jesus had a reputation for miraculous healings. Jesus is in town. He heals people. The third thing they knew is they had a friend who could use some of that. And so they made a simple plan. Let's bring our friend to where Jesus is. That's the plan. But then it turned out to be more complicated. But not impossible. G.K. Chesterton, brilliant writer, bottomless well of wonderful quotes, said this, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Sometimes following Jesus is hard. Sometimes following Jesus is complicated. Sometimes the crowds are bigger than you thought. And you have to go in through the roof. Sometimes you meet an obstacle and you're not sure what to do. But meeting an obstacle is not the same thing as failing. Sometimes all it is, is it's an invitation to think. To think. If God is calling you to do something... Why would he put obstacles in the way? Because he develops us, he sharpens us, he teaches us, right? He puts obstacles in the way. Sometimes the reason getting started can be difficult because he wants to start us from a posture of throwing our hands in the air and saying, God, help me. I don't know how to do this. I can't do this on my own. And that desperation leads us to prayer. And that prayer strengthens us to concentrate on how to overcome the obstacles that we're facing because we're living as unto the Lord with the thing we're trying to do. And so when we concentrate before God, what do we come away with? We come away with an education, with an understanding of how things work and maybe how to approach something differently the next time. We not only reach out, but in the process, when we face these things, challenges, we we become smarter about it. And so it is good to run into obstacles because God uses them to stretch us and he uses them to give us a deeper insight into the ministry that he is calling us to be about. I I hope that you see the simplicity but also the grandeur of what's happening here in this in this passage. The simplicity is this. Outreach is simply having people in your life who need Jesus and then bringing them to him through your words, through your actions, through your friendship, through your prayer. But the grander is also here because you see how Jesus meets the needs that we see. These friends had a friend who was paralyzed But he also meets needs in that moment that we don't see. Your sins are forgiven. 
And he doesn't just do this in the lives of those who carried him. And he doesn't even just do this in the life of the, of the paralytic on the mat, but he does this for many others who are watching because they're all amazed. And they all say, we've seen God do great things here today. See, Jesus doesn't restore people just because you love them or I love them. He does it because he loves them. I mean, that makes him the ultimate champion, right? He is a champion for our well-being, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, all of it. And so he calls us as his people to serve, to be his hands and to be his feet in the world, to share in his love for the broken by becoming champions for them. And, and don't you think that there is something in this call that heals a big part of us as well? He calls us to be champions for others because he wants us to know that that's who he is to us. And so my prayer for us as a church is that we would regard this place, if this is your church home, that when you walk through the doors, when you drive past it on your way to Costco, that you would say, that's mine. It's the Lord's, but it's mine. And you would own this place. And this calling that we have to be an outpost of grace and truth and beauty in Cool Springs. I love being a part of this. Which brings me to the second part of what I want to talk about. And that is a a bit of vision for Cool Springs and then then an an announcement. So a couple couple months ago, two two of our elders sat down with me and they asked me, okay, think four or five years out. What's an ideal church for you? Like, just dream, tell me, you know, just what do you want? And that's not why I do this. I don't pastor so that I can have the church exactly that I want. But I love the question. Like, if you could have what you wanted. Because I was surprised at how much came out of me in response to that. And, and here's some of the things that I said. One of the things that I said is that Cool Springs would be a church where congregants of all ages feel like they belong and that they have access to their pastor that I wouldn't be absentee or hard to reach. That we're focused on rooting our existing congregation in our pathway of worship connection and service and that discipling the congregation that we've got and loving and caring for the congregation that we are would be our primary means of growth. That our growth would not be because of campaigns um, or, or strategies, but that our growth would be because you all love this church and you befriend and bring in people who don't have a church home, and that would be the way that that happens. Another thing I said is that from birth to death, discipleship would be intentional and constant for our members, enabling them to see this church as theirs, as owners and contributors and not mere consumers of the body of Christ. I said that as this vision is realized, that volunteer participation would remain high and continue to grow, that the people of the church would serve, and that our staff would be people who would kind of help facilitate that, and that we would focus on raising people up to serve through assimilation processes and all of that stuff, but the goal would not be that the staff is taking care of things, but that the people of the church are doing the work of the church and the staff is serving them. I said that I'd love to see us be financially sustainable by 2026 and that the increase in giving that that would uh, reflect 
would come as much by way of our existing congregation maturing in their generosity as it would come through the addition of new congregants. That, that we as a church, when we, if, if this is our church home, when we're thinking about our resources, that we're saying, Lord, I want you to, to, to mature me and develop me in the ways that I think about the ways that I use my resources. Because we could grow financially by doubling in size, but it's a much better situation if the way that we're growing financially is because we as a church are thinking through what is my investment in this community that I love? And the Lord has been so faithful to us there. And then finally, it was this, that Cool Springs would become an established presence in our community, one that would be missed if we weren't here. In many ways, I'm describing Cool Springs as we currently are. And in other ways, though, I'm describing what I see us poised to do in this next season of our life together as a local church. We have grown. Cool Springs has grown. We've grown even during the pandemic when we were meeting in that hotel ballroom and we were navigating things like social distancing and all that went with it. The Lord has been kind to us to see our community not only grow but deepen. One of the ways that we've seen our community deepen, that I've seen our community deepen, uh, and I love this, is on Tuesday mornings, at 6.30 a.m., we have a men's Bible study that meets here. Guys, you're all welcome to come and be a part of that. We have some folding tables, and we sit around them over there in that corner of the room. We have sausage biscuits from McDonald's. It's a good time. Um, but one of the things that I love about that men's Bible study is we've been meeting for almost a year. Uh, we started, I think, in March or April of last year. And I don't teach it. In fact, nobody really teaches it. We have somebody who facilitates the discussion and maybe brings some insight, but then asks an open-ended question. And what we have instead is we have a group of men around a table, multi-generational group of men around a table with their Bibles open, studying Scripture together and reading. And I love it. One of the things I love about it is it feels like it's a Bible study that I go to, uh, and it's not one that I lead. Uh, but the other thing I love about it is as we've been doing this, this community has deepened in such a way that if one of the guys who's regularly there isn't there, we notice. And sometimes a question will get thrown out and we'll think, man, I wish Larry was here because I'd love to hear what his perspective on this would be. Um, or I love what Gary Forsyth has to bring to this conversation because it's just a color on the palette. Uh, that without him being there probably wouldn't be represented in this group and we're all better for it. Or I hear John Sumalong teach on, on Ecclesiastes and kind of give us an intro to this book of the Bible. We're doing Ecclesiastes right now. And you just, you're getting to hear somebody who loves the Bible and has spent time in it talking with fascination about how God's word works. And it is a joy. It's a great example of how in ministry we don't just grow big, but we grow deep. So our core demographic as a church is not hard to figure out, and that is we're a church that our biggest group of people is families with young children. I'm so thankful that we have single people in this church, that we have empty nesters in this church, that we have a representation, a multi-generational representation. I love that. But, but our largest group of people here is, is families with, with young kids, and it's a group that as we're thinking about the future, we think we have to prepare for them. We have to prepare for them because their kids are aging out of our children's ministry every year. And so how do we do this? We've had this, this team under Melanie Beasley's faithful leadership where we've worked to build this children's space here, this ministry from the ground up. We've outfitted all the rooms. 
We've built the curriculum and volunteers, events. We've built ministry. And that ministry needs somebody now to nurture it and to sustain it. But what we also need is we need someone to develop what that children's ministry feeds into, and that is students. And so looking at where we are now, we, we hope and where we hope to go, we have these kind of two immediate staff needs, children's ministry, this dedicated coordination and care of a thriving and large children's ministry. Um, and so glad to have Abby Ridley in that role right now, leading that and caring for that and nurturing it and thinking about it. Uh, but the other thing that we need is student and family ministry. We have to focus on student ministry, especially most urgently middle school. Um, as our children's ministry continues to graduate middle schoolers every year, it's vital that we build this now. And so the elders and the staff have been talking about this for, for a few months now, and we've all agreed that it's vital that we address our need for student and family ministry now to bridge this kind of remaining gap in our discipleship process between children and adults, and that is middle school and high school. And so with that said, and with the blessing of and support of Christ Presbyterian Church's finance committee and personnel committee, um, we uh, are hiring a children's ministry coordinator and also a director of students and families. And I'm pleased to tell you that we have found our director of students and families, and that is Mr. Nate Evans, this picture here. Many of you know Nate, and the reason you know Nate is because Nate has served the Old Hickory student ministry team for about five years now. Uh, he even filled in for a period of time as the interim director for a season. I, as a parent, with kids under his leadership, have had the opportunity to watch him lead. He has incredible intuition, he's very gifted, um, Nate and his wife, Nicole. Nicole has also served in the children's ministry leadership team there. They've been married for about three years. He hails from Texas, came to Nashville by way of Belmont University. He's an accomplished musician who has led worship, not only for the student ministry at Old Hickory, but he has on occasion led worship for the Old Hickory location during their corporate worship services as well. Um, and Nate is also currently um, pursuing a Master of Divinity at Covenant Theological Seminary with an eye toward becoming a pastor. And, uh, and so when we were thinking about this need that we have, Nate was one of the first names that he was the first, well, he was the first name that came to mind because I was thinking about, here's a guy who is excellent with students, feels the Lord's call to ministry, and here we are as a church who needs student ministry support but also the thought of being able to be a congregation that can bring in somebody who's pursuing a call to pastoral ministry where he may be serving in the church for 35 or 40 years and us to be able to have an opportunity to help kind of give, give experiences to somebody like him. I just, I get fired up about that kind of thing. And so we, uh, we extended an offer. I, we pursued him. We talked to him. He sat down with our entire team. And uh, he's going to join us full time. Uh, February 13th, he's going to be joining our team, and we're so excited to have him. Many of you have met him, but if you haven't, he and Nicole are going to join us for worship next Sunday, and I'll make sure that he has a proper opportunity to say hello. I love what the Lord's doing here. I love how he's working in our midst and how he's providing for us and the ways that he's doing it. He doesn't, uh, the Lord doesn't seem to draw that many straight lines. They're kind of, they take little turns and twists uh, and that's part of his wisdom and part of his care, but he has been faithful and kind to us. So I'm thankful for that. I pray 
that he would continue to make this a church that is welcoming and bringing in people who don't yet have a church home. Uh, Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of the church. I thank you for Cool Springs. I thank you for this place that I get to be a part of, these, these friends in the room, these, these people that I walk through life with, that my family gets to walk through life with, these people who um, are on this journey of seeking to serve and glorify you with their lives. Uh, and, and Father, we ask that you would continue to lead us with, with uh, that, you, that you would give us humility and a desire to know you more deeply, that you would give us a desire to receive people into this beautiful community of faith, that you would teach us how to be good friends. Um, Father, that if we're the ones who need to be carried to you, and we all, we all do at times, Lord, that, that we all do all the time, Lord, that we would be willing um, to have people in our lives help, help lead us to your grace uh, when we're unable to get ourselves there. And uh, Lord, we're thankful for your, for your faithfulness to your church. Um, we pray that you would be with uh, Nate and Nicole uh, as they are announcing this at Old Hickory today as well. Uh, and Lord, just be with them and watch over them. And, uh, and, and we just thank you for, for um, your call on his life that brings him here to this place. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.